And a good day. This is Pastor Mark with Touch of God. And we're continuing on this week with 1 John chapter 3. And we're following on from last week when we were talking about the importance of fellowship with the Lord and the avoidance of sin. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. And this is the Amplified Classic Edition of the Bible. It says, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given shown, bestowed on us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. The very beginning here, we see an incredible quality of love. It doesn't just say that the Father loves us, but the quality of love is incredible that he has for us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. It is one thing for the magnificent free gift of God for redemption and salvation and to be saved, but it is quite another to actually be now a child of God himself, one of his very own children, growing up into sons and daughters in maturity into the fullness and the stature of his son, Christ Jesus. The verse goes on to say, And so we are. The reason that the world does not know, recognize, acknowledge us is that it does not know, recognize, acknowledge Him. The world does not recognize us or Jesus because the nature is so different between Jesus and Satan, who is our previous father. Remember Adam and Eve? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they did that after obeying Satan, who spoke through the serpent at the tree, the very tree that the Lord warned them and told them not to touch. For in that day, he said, you will surely die. We were all fallen as a result of the event that day. And every newborn baby is fallen and it grows up to have a sinful nature, because that's the master. That is why the nature is so different between the person that is yet to be born again and the person that already is. God's mercy and grace and love, the incredible quality of love, has allowed the fallen creation to have the choice, the option of receiving Jesus as their Lord, and in so doing, God would regenerate their spirit and take them from under the powers of darkness and move them into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what happens to every person who becomes a believer. That is his incredible love. And in so doing, we now have a new nature, the nature of God, as opposed to our old fallen sinful nature that was the nature of the devil Satan himself. And we know from John chapter 8, verse 44, that Jesus himself spoke to the Pharisees and he said that they had the characteristics of their father, the devil. They were great at quoting scripture, but their heart was far from the Lord. And so we can see that the two natures are very different. The nature of wanting to steal, kill and destroy, the white lies, the cheating, the killing, that all comes from the nature of the master that we used to have, which was Satan. But now we have a new master, 
We can't serve both of them, and we shouldn't try to. But now we have a new master. His name's Jesus. We made him our master when we chose him. And to those who just chose him to get into heaven, God has paid preciously for us to have a relationship with him, not just to get in the door. And we may not get through that door. We may not strive enough to get through that door, as it mentioned in Luke chapter 13, around verse 20 to 25, if we do not know Jesus and we do not allow him to get to know us, if there is no relationship, then we may not be able to get through the door because Jesus will say, I knew you not, depart from me. I never knew you. We don't want to have the Lord say that to us that day that we are before him. So best now make the course correction if we feel that we don't have that relationship with the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to refocus our hearts on Jesus. There is no time like the present, as they say. Verse 2, Beloved, we are even here and now God's children. It is not yet disclosed, made clear what we shall be hereafter, but we know that when he comes and is manifested, we shall, as God's children, resemble and be like him, for we shall see him just as he really is. Verse 3. And everyone who has this hope, resting on him, cleanses, purifies himself, just as he, Jesus, is pure, chaste, undefiled, guiltless. So it's interesting in verse 3 that we are able to cleanse ourselves when we have this hope resting on Christ. Just as he is pure, we can be cleansed. The blood of Jesus washes away what is not pure. The word of God washes away and renews and transforms our mind so that we no longer have a carnal mind for certain topics of the Bible, but our mind is renewed so that our understanding in that area is no longer at enmity with God, but it is now aligned with God's understanding, which is his word. We've read the word, we've read the verses, and we have come to the point where we say to ourselves, I accept this is true, and I will continue to believe it's true, and I will act who I am now in Christ. I will align myself with this word. Verse 4, everyone who commits practices sin, is guilty of lawlessness, for that is what sin is, lawlessness, the breaking, violating of God's law by transgression or neglect, being unrestrained and unregulated by his commands and his will. So this is what we see sin is. Sin is obviously an abomination to the Lord. Sin is us rebelling against the truth, rebelling against God's will in our lives. We're rebelling against God himself. If someone knowingly rebels and breaks the speed limit in their car on a street, they are rebelling and they are acting in lawlessness because there is no abiding in the law of the city regarding the speed limit on that road. So they are unrestrained and unregulated by the commands and the will of the law in that city. Likewise, sin is a violation of God's law by transgression or neglect. 
So transgression could be an outright deliberate act against what should be done. Neglect is not taking care of something, letting something go, procrastination, putting off. That can still be sin. By not doing right at the right time, it can be neglect. We are neglecting God's law and not taking care of something. For example, the Bible says that we should expose evil. So if something evil occurs and you have the ability to say something about it and expose it, but you decide not to, that's a neglect of God's law. That is sin. So we need to call out those things that are wrong. And you might say, well, if I call out this evil that's going on in my workplace, I will no longer have a job. Well, what we have to understand is who we are working for. Are we working for man or do we work unto God? And if we work unto God and he sees us follow his commands by exposing that evil, do we not believe that he has another job for us? You might say, well, if I really enjoy this job, God has another one that you'll enjoy, maybe even more. But maybe he's testing you to see if you will uphold his commands and not neglect or transgress against his precepts, his word, and how we should be as true believers, as sons of God. Verse 5, you know that he appeared in visible form and became man to take away upon himself sins, and in him there is no sin, essentially and forever. No one who abides in him, who lives and remains in communion with and in obedience to him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually commits, practices sin. No one who habitually sins has either seen or known him, recognized, perceived, or understood him, or has had an experiential acquaintance with him. Now let's have a look at this verse in a little bit more detail. It says, No one who abides in him, who lives and remains in communion with and in obedience to him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually commits practices sin. So that means if I accidentally let something slip out of my mouth, and maybe it's a word that I shouldn't have used, but it wouldn't be a word that God would approve of. If it came out one time, it's not habitual, it's a one-off. Did you deliberately, knowingly, and habitually do that? No. But you need to obviously repent and say, Lord, please forgive me. First John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, cleansing us in our conscience. So let's read verse 6 again. No one who abides in him, who lives and remains in communion with and in obedience to him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually, commits, practices sin. This is also saying that when you're in communion with Jesus, you have a whole different perspective on how you act in daily life because you have more of an awareness that because you have this relationship with Jesus, that he is seeing through your eyes, he's hearing every word you're saying. And not only that, why would you go against your best friend, Jesus, and treat someone on the street poorly? You love him so much and you want to follow his precepts, his commandments. So you're going to do what he wants you to do, and you would not let that slip. 
and he is transforming your nature because of your time with him. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as the Lord continues to heal your heart and you're having time with him, he's healing your heart. Your heart is being touched by the very presence of the Lord and you're having this communion with him. Well, out of your mouth is going to be coming testimony about your time with him. Out of your mouth won't be coming words that you regret saying. The nature of your heart is changing for the better because of the time and proximity you have with the Lord. The second part of verse 6, no one who habitually sins has either seen or known him, recognized, perceived, or understood him, or has had an experiential acquaintance with him. You could say that if you see someone committing habitual acts of sin, then you know from this verse that they have not had any form of experiential acquaintance with Jesus. They have not recognized, perceived, or understood him. Because had they done, they would not want to do the things they're doing. Verse 7, Boys, lads, let no one deceive and lead you astray. He who practices righteousness who is upright, conforming to the divine will in purpose, thought, and action, living a consistently conscientious life, is righteous, even as he, Jesus, is righteous. So what we need to aim for, and God's grace is there to help us get there, is to live a consistently conscientious life. Not an inconsistent one, one day per week, but a consistently conscientious life every day of the week. Again, striving to do the best we can, and to live a holy, righteous lifestyle, practice righteousness. The intent of our heart should always be to love on others, love thy neighbor, love the Lord thy God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When you have that continual relationship and communion with the Lord on the basis of his two great commandments, you cannot fail. The intent of your heart will always be to do good. It will always be to pray for people. It will always be to lay hands on the sick so that they shall recover. It will be to always ask them if they want prayer for deliverance, to cast out demons after obviously winning them to the Lord so that they can be sealed with the Holy Spirit. You can be raising the dead. You want to be doing the Lord's will upon the earth because the Lord will be doing his will through you to the degree that you allow him, to the degree that you go pray the Lord will flow through you by the power of his Holy Spirit. You will be actively in communion with him, whether it be in the secret place or walking down the street. You can be talking to him between your heart and his heart, and you're having that consistently conscientious life. You're conscientious about your time with him and serving him, glorifying him and his Father. Verse 8, but he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works of the devil has done. This is First John chapter 3, verse 8 in the Amplified Edition. So we talked about the character of the person who wants to do evil earlier on, that that character is from the evil one, the devil, Satan. Verse 9, no one born begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin, for God's nature abides in him. His principle of life, the divine sperm, remains permanently within him, 
and he cannot practice sinning because he is born begotten of God. Now, this is a powerful verse as well, because this shows the power of God and his transformative actions. When we become born again, he comes in and indwells us, but he doesn't just sit there. He is actively working on our nature and our heart and delivering us from the way we used to be. He regenerates our spirit. Our spirit is renewed. We are a new creation, according to the word. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And then the Lord goes to work on our heart to the degree that we read his word and renew our mind to it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We have to renew our mind so that it will then line up with what our spirit now is, who we now are in spirit. Our mind has to follow. Our mind has to be transformed so that it is up to date with the truth of the knowledge of the Lord, which is his word. So, in verse 9, no one born begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin, for God's nature abides in him. So that means that if someone is knowingly, deliberately, and habitually practicing sin, and they believed they already gave their life to Jesus, they believe they're going to heaven, they may not yet be saved. Now, we do slip from time to time. But slipping is not habitual. It's a one-off. We need to immediately repent when that happens. But this verse is talking about the deliberate, knowing, habitual practice of sin. That that person, if they are going to church and they believe they're going to heaven, but they're still habitually, knowingly practicing sin, then God's nature is not in them because God's nature abiding in you, you are not going to want to habitually, knowingly deliberately practice sin, because sin is not God's nature. So if you are taking on God's nature, you're not going to want to do that anymore. You used to want to do it because God never used to be your father. God never used to be your master. It was the devil, Satan. That's why you used to have a different nature before you became truly born again. So if you are believing you're going to heaven, but you are still in sin habitually, then I implore you today, give your life to Jesus. Confess him as Lord. Make him your Lord. Be conscious conscious that he is your Lord. Believe that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And then spend time with Jesus habitually. Instead of habitually sinning, habitually become in communion with Jesus. Habitually read the word. Habitually knowingly, deliberately seek the Lord, pray, speak in tongues by being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do as Jesus wants you to do. Tell everybody that you come into contact with about Jesus. Pray for them. Verse 10, by this it is made clear who take their nature from God and are his children and who take their nature from the devil and are his children. No one who does not practice righteousness, who does not conform to God's will in purpose, thought, and action, is of God. Neither is anyone who does not love his brother, his fellow believer in Christ. So there is the stark night and day, black and white, death and life, contrast. There it is in verse 10. You're either of the devil or you're of God. Let's be frank. You may not want to hear that, but it is the truth. And I would never knowingly hold truth from you. 
It is in the Bible, I will speak it. Verse 11, For this is the message, the announcement which you have heard from the first, that we should love one another, and not be like Cain, who took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one and slew his brother. Now, if someone slews a brother, if someone murders someone today, where does that motivation come from? We know from verse 12 it comes from the evil one, Satan. It comes from the fallen nature of the person. But the motivation and the nature within that person is of Satan. And then the verse continues, And why did he slay him? That means, why did Cain slay Abel? Because his deeds, activities, works were wicked and malicious, and his brothers were righteous, virtuous. So when someone is jealous and you are doing good deeds for the Lord, even someone perhaps that you thought was a good friend, that they are even maybe in a Bible study group with you, and you suddenly get this sense that they have something against you, ask them. They may have an issue with jealousy, but you see, love on them, pray for them, pray for their soul, because they still need to receive the true nature of the Lord. Someone who's born again should be encouraging you that you are doing the right thing in righteousness, doing good acts for the Lord, good works, good deeds, these deeds that were predestined for your life before the foundation of the earth, God working through you. You working with the Lord, co-laboring, co-working with Him. Verse 13, Do not be surprised and wonder, brethren, that the world detests and pursues you with hatred. You see the word world there, and you normally think, well, there's the world and then there's the church. But you have to look a little more deeper than this because there is the obvious nature of the world, including those who have never set foot in a church, they have not given their life to Christ, but also there is this other distinction that not everyone in a church building will be saved. They perhaps are coming to Christ, they are on that journey, they're trying to listen to the teacher, the pastor, and weighing up their own decision. There may be people in that building that have already believed that they've given their life to the Lord, but they're still lukewarm. And Jesus said he's going to spew them out. Those people have not taken on the nature of the Lord yet. Because there will be people in the church building that have an issue with you. Maybe they have a religious spirit, a spirit of jealousy, envy, hatred. They have not come to Christ yet. They have not taken on the full nature of God. We should pray for those people. But when people harm you, when people detest you, do not think it's strange. Just remember that there is the nature of the evil one still working through them to the degree that they're allowing that to happen. They need to put that jealousy on the altar. They need to give that jealousy, that envy to Christ. They need to want to give that up and have deliverance. Jesus' love for us and them, he deserves for the person to give up those problems. It is not right for us to hold on to things that are not ours to hold on to. Remember, the Bible says that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. We were bought by the blood of Jesus. So if we are born again, but we still have issues, we need to 
declare those to the Lord. We need to seek help for those. We need to have prayer. We need to have deliverance. So verse 13, do not be surprised and wonder, brethren, that the world detests and pursues you with hatred. And why is that? Because you are the light and the world is in darkness. Even those who are lukewarm, they are still in darkness because they have not truly experienced the love of Christ yet. If they did, they would not be warm. They would be hot on fire for the Lord. But know that there is the evil one and his nature, the devil, Satan's nature, is trying to work through the sons of disobedience, according to the word of God, which means that even those in a church building who are not on fire for the Lord are technically in disobedience in a form of rebellion against God because they want to still serve two masters. And Jesus says you cannot do that. But know that it is not the person, it is the evil spirit trying to influence them to behave the way they're behaving. But the person still has a free will to say, no, I want to be delivered from this. So yes, they need to decide to truly give their whole life to Christ, their whole heart to him. But it is the essence of evil that's influencing them, and they have not done anything about that. Verse 14, we know that we have passed over out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren, our fellow Christians. He who does not love abides, remains, is held and kept continually in spiritual death. So the very fact that you love other believers means that you have passed over out of death into life. And in the Amplified Classic Version, life is capital L. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we have passed out of death and into Christ Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you today for being the way, the truth, and the life, that we may come into you as born-again believers. We are in you. You are in us. And we thank you for being life. We thank you for capturing us out of death when we gave our life to you. And we bless you and we glorify your name. We thank you so graciously today for your sacrifice for us as a fragmented and a fallen human race because of the day at the tree. Thank you, Lord. We bless you today. Amen. And because Jesus is life, I speak Jesus, his word, and his life into your physical body today, into your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. Take hold of the goodness of God. Open your heart to him. Let him flood in and take hold of what is bad and clean you out from head to toe, your physical ailments, but also in your heart, your soul. Let him do a work in you. Declare all sin to him. Declare all things that are bothering you to him. Worry is sin. Anxiety is sin. Jesus said, sin no more. So be anxious no more. Worry no more. For you'll be sinning again if you do. And immediately you worry. Say, Lord, I'm sorry I had a worrying thought. I trust in you. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me of all unrighteousness. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more time you are with Jesus in the secret place, the more communion you have with him. These worries, these anxieties will fade into nothing because you'll, you'll get to the point where you trust him so much with everything in your being that no worrying thought can take root in your heart anymore because you are above evil. In Christ, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and if you are truly born again, you are in him. That means you're above evil. 
That means you're above worry. You're above anxiety. You're above sickness and disease. You're above any darkness, anything that comes from the nature and the characteristic of Satan, you are above. And that is all forms of darkness, all forms of stealing, killing, destroying, whether it be sickness destroying the body. So we will continue this chapter next week. In the meantime, if you would like to partner with us, our website is tog.world, touchofgod.world. You can leave a prayer request on there. You can donate on there. You can also ask us to call you, and we'll be more than happy to call you and pray with you and minister to you over the phone. If you have any questions about any of these messages, leave us a prayer request and include the questions on there too. But until next week, you have a blessed week. Amen.